Welcome to Real Deep Stuff. We've saved your seat at the table for this conversation. We're so glad you're here. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not intended to replace medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any medical concerns or questions, please consult a qualified healthcare professional. Today's going to be a little different. I am not having a guest on, I guess you could say maybe I'm the guest. (laughs) I don't know. That sounds weird. But I had to kind of think of it that way because... I don't know, I just really get locked up when I think about coming on and doing this about myself. I am so much more comfortable when I'm asking questions and letting other people tell their stories. I like being the, you know, backup support, if you will. I'm shaking things up a little bit. And I'm really glad that you are taking this journey with me. (laughs) So by the title of today's episode, there's a reason you hit play. And I know for some people, they saw the title and said, nope, not today, or not this season. Nope, can't go there. And I totally get that because life is a series of seasons and we cycle through them. And for those who have tuned in, like yourself, there's a reason why you clicked on it and there's something about the topic of grief that resonates with everybody no matter our backgrounds our age our socioeconomic status cultural nothing grief touches everybody it touches humans it touches creation We learned out in Yellowstone how bison will have what they call bison funerals for each other. When one of the herd die, the other ones will line up and slow walk past their friend and each individually stop and like (laughs) pay their friend honor. It's just amazing to me. Grief is natural and normal. That's that's the first thing I want to say. It's natural and normal. Now, how we process it, we have the choice to have it be healthy or not. And I've done grief both ways. So I definitely know there's a difference and I definitely recommend the healthy way. The not healthy way is a downward spiral into nothing good and leads you to dark places you don't wanna go. So today we are gonna be dealing with the healthier way and it's funny because I have been like losing sleep over this <laughs> for so long you don't even know <laughs> months months anticipating today pretty much since the first episode that I made ever of this podcast I've been anticipating today and I kept talking myself out of it I kept thinking nobody wants to hear you like <laughs> Who are you? You're a tiny little minnow in a very big pond. Um, I don't have the credentials behind my name to be called a professional anything. What I do have, though, is 52 years of experience. So I've got a lot of on-the-job training, if you will. But I was still talking myself out of this episode because I knew that once I did this one, there's a 
hopefully a lot more to come. Not dealing with grief necessarily, <laughs> just other things that are on my heart to share that I feel the Lord wants to. But this is like that first leap and it's really hard. It's really hard. Everyone's under a microscope these days and there's all that kind of stress, but it's also really hard to be vulnerable for me. Very hard. Uh, but before I move too much more into that, I almost talked myself out of this, but I'm a real visual learner. I'm an object metaphor analogy kind of learner. So if something can be framed in a context that I can understand it better, then I'm all in. And it's interesting that the last few days leading up to today specifically, I've had this like little pebble in my shoe. <laughs> and that's so ridiculous because <laughs> I should just stop and take my shoe off and shake the pedal out and I'll be fine. But it's one of those things, it's like, oh, well, if I just kind of move my foot around, it'll, you know, fall to the side or whatever, and it won't bother me. And I'll, I'll make sure to do that tonight. When I go to bed and I take off my shoes, I will make sure to get that pedal out. And then, you know, the day happens and, and you do kind of adjust and it slips to the side, you don't feel it. And then so by the time I take my shoes off, I forgot all about it. And it's not till the next day when I put them back on and walk around, I'm like, oh my gosh, that pebble's still in my shoe. And I should just take it off, right? Come on. I mean, how long is it going to take to do that? It should take two seconds to just take my dumb shoe off, shake off the pebble, and put it back on. But for some reason, I just find that to be an interruption. I'll put it that way. It's an interruption to the day that I don't want. And... That is a lot like how I view grief. It's an interruption, even though it's normal and natural and necessary. It's still an interruption to the daily flow of life. So we just kind of shake it off, right? We shake it to the side. We kind of move our life around to where we don't feel that pebble of grief. Sometimes a boulder <laughs> feels like in our lives and we just keep going over and over and every day is another iteration of just I'll deal with it tomorrow I'll deal with it tomorrow I'll deal with it tomorrow and the thing about like that little rock in my shoe it's not going to magically go away it's not how many thousands of years would it take for that thing to finally dissolve in my shoe it has to it has to be dealt with I don't believe in coincidences. I, I do think that there's a plan by God in this world. And I think sometimes we are set up for things for our good, even when they don't feel good, if that makes sense. So they're set up for our good, even if they don't feel good. And that is the way grief works, I believe, because it's necessary and natural and normal but we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to go through with it. So I'm going to talk today and I'm going to be honest because that's kind of all I know how to be. I was made with just like a conscience the size of Texas. So I, I can't lie. Uh, I don't even try. <laughs> Honesty and authenticity and transparency are things that I highly admire in other people and I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I'm going to be those things, but I'm just telling you, I'm not comfortable with this at all. So I don't typically show sad or um, 
emotion. I don't share a lot of like negative emotion in front of people, particularly being sad, particularly crying. It's not that I'm some tough girl and I don't feel I'm a victim. I, I've never wanted pity. I've never thought of myself as being a victim, but I do know that our past, it helps forge a path of who we are now. We can't deny it, right? It's part of our of us. It's part of our story. And I did not have any type of a healthy um, environment to be able to be openly sad growing up. So someone that should have been my protector, someone that should have been safe, they did not ever want to see me cry and there's a moment that and I've worked with this a bit with my EMDR therapist that I did an episode previously with her on EMDR which I completely highly recommend cannot recommend it enough and go back through the episode list and find the one on EMDR with Faith Northington if you're curious about what this is it's just it's amazing and very healing and very quickly for for those of us who like to get things done so I've worked with it through her, but I do have some residual issues with this person in my life from my past that aren't done. So although the sting is gone, uh, the memory is there. And sometimes it's hard to work out a, a conditioned pattern. It's hard to change, right? We're creatures of habit. I do remember a time when I was very upset about something. I was a kid and I was crying and, you know, just like very, very upset. I don't know what I was upset about, but I was really upset and was crying. And this person came to me and had a belt in their hand and held it like right on the leather part, right under the buckle and got in my face, nose to nose and said, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to beat you with this. And that taught me, unfortunately, a lot of negative things. Well, first to be scared to death of that person and that crying is bad and, you know, nobody cares, nobody wants to see it. You, you can fill in all those blanks. So I shut down in front of other people from that day on. And when, as I've shared previously, you know, my mom died when I was 16 of cancer, uh, when she was in the last stages of her cancer, you know, she would be like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. That became my mantra. I'm fine. If some, a teacher asked, I'm fine. Pastor asked, I'm fine. Friends asked, I'm fine. I became rock solid in my stance of I'm fine. And I've become a professional I'm finer. And that is a, a wall that I can build in a half a second in front of anyone at any time because partly because of the first person with the belt buckle and all of that and then watching the center of my life slowly die in front of me I just decided that the better option for me was I was just not going to share that side of me with other people so I can turn it off and I'm not proud of that I don't like it I don't recommend it and I'm working on it. I really am working on it hard. <laughs> what I want to share today, I might get a little emotional and that's just incredibly uncommon for me, but 
I need you to promise me that you'll keep it between us. Because I think that a sense of uh, depth of rawness is necessary when we resonate with each other with our pain. So uh, why do I think grief is necessary and natural and normal is, in my opinion, I think it's there to help us survive. We were built to survive. I mean, think about everything that's happened in human civilization since Adam and Eve. Like, truly shouldn't be here anymore, but we are. And I think that's because, you know, God has built in us a perseverance to survive until he says the world is done. We have these tools that he has put in us and one of them is, is grieving because it helps us move forward, not on. And I fully agree with that. Today is a special day. And when I told you in the beginning that this is a day that I was anticipating for months uh, since the first podcast, it's actually been a year today that I have been not looking forward to this day. It is the one year anniversary of losing our little precious, our little dog. And if you've ever had a pet, you know what I mean. And I'm asking you right now, please don't hit stop. I understand how sensitive this topic is, and I'm not gonna drag you down to a pit that we can't climb back out of. But she made, she played such a pivotal role in my life. I wanna honor her today for one, and kind of just be grateful for everything that she was. I have to set the table a little bit to help you understand like what today feels like and why this is called, this episode is called When Grief and Goals Collide. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> so we got her obviously um, a long, long time ago. She was a puppy. We got her from a breeder because although I absolutely love rescue animals and we've had several in our life, there are some asthma and allergy issues in our family that dictate what kind of animals we can have at this point. And trust me, we learned that the hard way and it's heartbreaking. So if you're thinking about getting a pet, please, please, please research that very well. And so anyway, Precious was a Havanese, and when I say she was the perfect dog, she was the perfect dog. <laughs> Havanese by nature, they were bred to be companions to people, so they have sensitive feelings. So they learn things quickly, and they don't like to be in trouble, and they just want to please you. And she was just the best. And I asked the breeder for a female. And I asked her for the runt of the litter, if that was possible, if there'd be a female runt. Because at the time, our kids were all very little, and I just didn't want to be, uh, I didn't want a dog to, a dog to compete for alpha female status with me. So I just was like, I just want the runt. Because they're just, they have an extra dose of thankfulness and love, I think. So that's exactly who Precious was. She's the female runt. And wow, she was incredibly perfect for our family. And her her disposition was something that she was 100% trust, trustable, trustworthy with people, animals, situations. Like she was just so chill. She was amazing. And 
my little best friend. Um, a lot of times in a family, the dog will gravitate toward the mom because we're the nurturer. You know, we're the ones that wind up feeding them, bathing them, taking them to the vet, taking them for the walks, all those things. And so she she loved our entire family, but she definitely chose me as her person. And that was perfectly fine. And she was my very best friend who kept all my secrets. Like I've talked about the dog that I grew up with. Um, Tootsie, she was also the same way. She was also my very best friend who kept all my secrets and I had her for 13 years. So that being said, um, she gave us a lot of joy and she went on vacations with us. She loved the beach. She loved to dig holes in the sand. This little prima donna. <laughs> she just loved, she let her wild side show. She would just dig holes under an umbrella. And um, she went hiking in the mountains. She went on our RV expeditions with us for the last few years that, uh, that we had the RV. She's just a rock star. And later on in life, you know, she just couldn't go as far as we could go. So I got her a stroller. And so she and I would take these stroller walks and we got her a backpack that she could ride in if we were gonna be doing like a, like a, a river hike or something that just, she just couldn't safely cross or, or just couldn't cross. So in our RV, she had three dog beds, let me just say. <laughs> and it's a small RV, it's a little camper. Um, she was amazing, she had a little life jacket and a raincoat and her winter coat, and of course, all of her favorite friends, her little soft friends, and she was spoiled rotten, and she deserved every bit of it because she was perfect. <laughs> she just gave love. She just made life so much better, and it's funny. Um, I always think of her as, if, if someone were to say, describe her in two words, it would be porch light, and what that means is growing up, my grandparents, every time we would leave their home, because we were there often, if, if it was night, um, granddad would always say, we'll leave the light on for you, meaning you're always welcome here. This is home. You're always welcome here. And so, you know, when we weren't in the RV and we were home and we, I'd go to the grocery store, you know, we go to the movies, whatever it is, we were doing life outside the home. We always knew that she'd be home waiting for us. And for that, she's my little porch light. Because I knew that if I had the best day or the worst day, she was always going to be there so excited to see me. And dogs just have a, make, a way of making you feel like you're just a million dollars. <laughs> and I loved, loved coming home. And I mean, like I could go to the store or go out, you know, whatever, run a carpool, whatever it was. I could be in and out of the house like five, six times a day. And every time, it was the best time for her. Every time was like, oh my gosh, you're home. I'm so glad you're home. I love you so much. Like she just, it never got old for her. And never got old for me either <laughs> So to be received like that. So um, a month before she passed away, she simply just stopped eating. And we didn't know what that was about. And so I called the vet and they're like, well, you know, we'll try the chicken and rice thing. And so she still just wasn't eating. And, and so uh, we only went a few days like that and then brought her in because we tried everything we could do at home. And so they said, well, this had been probably like two weeks because it's not like she just stopped 
completely eating. She just started leaving like kibbles in her bowl, which was extremely rare for her because <laughs> she loved her food. So she just started, you know, maybe the, in the beginning it was like one kibble. And, I'd be, and I would joke with her and I'd say like, wow, Precious, you have so much willpower. I could never leave just one bite on my plate if it's one bite. And I was kind of kidding around with her. So that went several days, close to a week. And then the, the next week she was leaving a little bit more in the bowl. And I was like, huh. So by the uh, third week, she just really wasn't eating so that's when we took her to the vet and so she said I think it's time to run some tests and I was like okay so I had asked God asked him to make a little deal with me <laughs> I said precious has been such a huge part of our family I mean we gave her a puppy shower when we got her invited all the friends over and we literally threw a baby shower for precious <laughs> it was really fun because our kids were little so like all their friends came over and it was just completely adorable. And um, when I tell you she was a part of everything we did, Halloween was one of her very favorite times because we would, we always sit out front and with a fire pit, and we like to meet the little trick or treaters on the sidewalk. And she just knew. I, I'm just telling you, that dog just knew when it was Halloween because um, she could just feel it in the air. And then I would go get her little tutu, which was actually our daughter's tutu when she was two years old. But it fit her so well. It's the only thing that, because um, trust me, she had an entire box of wardrobe outfits like Mrs. Claus and all kinds of things. But this tutu was just really, really comfortable on her and not restricting and all that. And so every year she was ballerina, just every year, because it worked. <laughs> so, wash, rinse, repeat. So I'd put her little tutu on and we sit out front and she would just get doted on by, you know, all the, all the kiddos looking so cute. And the other day was, that was her favorite day, was bake sale day. And that was amazing because we, we did a bake sale for 16 years to benefit Samaritan's Purse. And it was a giant event. And that's a whole nother, whole nother story. But she knew bake sale day and she had to be smack in the middle of it when she was really little. We put her in a playpen to make sure she didn't like wander off. And then, you know, as she grew, you know, she had her little, her little, dress her little we had a Christmas dress for her in addition to Mrs. Claus so she wore her little Christmas dress and um, just loved greeting everybody it was her favorite so we're three weeks into struggling with her eating and I could feel just by picking her up that she was losing some weight so they ran the tests and my husband was out of town for work and it was a Friday and he was coming back in town at the same time I was out at Costco <laughs> across town and I didn't have anything for dinner and I was gonna get Mexican because it's always a good day for Mexican around here. But at the last minute I switched up and I was like, hey, do you care if it's Chinese? He's like, that's fine. So we were gonna be meeting back at the house at the same time, him from the airport, me from Costco and picking up Chinese takeout. So I got home and just as, literally like when he did, which was kind of wild. So he's helping me unload Costco and the big, bag of Chinese takeout and the phone rings and it's our vet and you know when you've been a part of a veterinarian practice for so many years because before Precious we had a dog and two cats and so we've been with this practice for over 20 years and the vet is family to us and definitely a friend. She called again Friday afternoon like right around dinner and as soon as I picked up the phone and heard her voice I was like uh-oh uh-oh and 
She said, so we did the test and basically Precious has three things going on, any of which would be major surgery and in-hospital recovery alone, each one alone. She had, um, her gallbladder was completely diseased. Nobody knew. Um, she had masses on her spleen and masses on her adrenal gland. And she was turning 16 the next month. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's like, you know, dogs learn you. It's like, it's so weird. They like know you. They know you sometimes, I think, better than you know yourself. And Precious is sitting on her bed watching us on this phone call. And I'm just telling you, it's like she, she understood the framework of what was happening. And I said, so what you're saying is there's really nothing we could do at this point without being incredibly invasive with no guarantees. She may not even make it through the surgeries. And the deal I made with God that I asked him, I should say, <laughs> is I just said, listen, as wonderful as she's been to us, my only request is that when it's her time, that it be short. Please, I don't want like a long suffering, long, slow demise thing for her. She, she is owed more than that, honestly, because of how wonderful she's been. And he never answered me like talking, but I do feel in the way things played out, he did answer me because out of 15 years and 11 months, she had one bad month and that's not bad considering the issue she had. So I'm bawling on the phone. I can't, I can't help it. My husband's crying. Pretty sure the vet was crying. And I just said, I need to know who to call. It really wasn't even much of a discussion because of how serious her, her issues were. But we hung up and I was like, wow, that was horrible. Of course we went over and we picked her up and we're hugging her and we're crying. And I'm telling you, it's like, it's like she's, it's like she knew that we now knew. She just always wanted us to be happy. And I'm now firmly convinced that she hid her daily pain, that she hid that from us because I think she didn't want to make us sad. Her entire persona changed after that phone call. I mean, nothing in her changed. Like she's still sitting on her bed. But after that, it's like she felt she could drop her guard and she didn't have to pretend anymore or act anymore. And every day, she showed a little more of what was happening. And I thought back to a year before, I'm sorry, not a year, just two months before that, we had been at the beach with her in the RV. And again, like I told you earlier, she loved to dig holes in the sand, but she did not like to get in the water. Not a water dog. Very obedient with baths and stuff like that, but like never by choice did she want to go in the water. And when we were at the beach that time, that two months before this phone call, she was just running full out. I mean, like crazy running in the waves, letting the waves splash up on her. We've never have seen her act like this. And we were just cracking up. We're like, look at her go. We had her stroller with us so she could easily ride in that. 
as she just ran and those little tiny stubby legs she had just ran and ran and ran and I videotaped her. I started turning on my phone uh, video because I thought this is remarkable. She's never done anything like this before and and I just believe now that she knew it was her last time at the beach. I just think that she knew that and she was going to enjoy every single second of it and she did. Like it was just crazy to watch her just getting wet and sandy and things that we just never saw her do before. So fast forward those two months of that phone call and here we are with a bag of Chinese food that neither one of us feels like eating now. But uh, we were legitimately hungry <laughs> because of the day and been a long day. And I looked in the bag and there were three fortune cookies in it. And I know that, you know, a lot of times they just take like a handful and throw them in. And sometimes they are, you know, one cookie per entree. So I found it interesting with two entrees, there were three cookies and it never in all these years of owning animals, I've, I've had, I've been involved in animal husbandry for all but about maybe six years of my entire life. So I've always had a pet and I've never thought since she couldn't eat people food. And even before that, I mean, it's, it's a fortune cookie. I would never think to give that to a dog. So this time I looked in there and I, it just like, God just kind of tapped me on the shoulder and was just like, isn't that funny how there's three? And I told Bruce, I said, I think one of these should be for her. And it's a game. We don't believe in fortunes or luck or anything like that. But it is fun to read them. Sure, it's fun. Sometimes they don't make any sense. So I really don't put any merit in them at all because they're computer generated. But, um, but it is fun. It's just a fun tradition to do. So in, in keeping with formal tradition of fortune cookies, I put all three that were wrapped in my hand and I handed them all to her to let her choose on her bed. Because tradition is you're not supposed to hand someone their fortune cookie, they're supposed to pick it. Again, all the luck stuff aside, it's just, whatever, it's just fun. So I put all three in front of her and she put her nose on one of them. And I was like, wow, she has clearly, I was like, are you sure? Is this the one you want? And, and she definitely wanted that one. I was like, okay. So Bruce and I opened ours and they were just kind of silly or whatever. And I don't even remember what they said, but so then we opened hers and read it. And I just, I, I just stopped in my tracks and I was like, whoa, whoa. The one that she picked, I took a picture of it. It says, it's not only important to add years to your life, but to add life to your years. I mean, seriously, we had just gotten off the phone with a vet to discuss the very hard decision of making that difficult choice for your pet. That one last thing you could do for them, right? And reading that, it's not only important to add years to your life, but to add life to your years. It was just uncanny. And I was crying and I said, Bruce, I don't believe in fortune cookies. Just, this is crazy. And we both were like, well, if he could talk through a donkey, because in the Old Testament, a donkey spoke. <laughs> and so like, kind of tongue in cheek, we were like, if he could talk, if he could use a donkey, could he use a fortune cookie to just maybe, I don't know, calm our hearts a little bit? Because it's so true. Years to your life are important, but life 
quality of life in your years is also important. And it, I'm just, it's the weirdest thing. It was just kind of like, I mean, certainly Precious didn't know what was going on, but it's like she chose the one that was perfect for her. And it just helped give us some strength to make that decision. And today's weather is very um, apropos for this anniversary because we woke up to rain and thunderstorms that have now given way to sunshine. And it's just all fits weirdly together, the highs and lows. And I'm one of these weird ones that love thunderstorms. So for me, the lightning and the thunder is a high. <laughs> but um, the people that I saw running out for this morning that caught in the rain probably didn't appreciate that. But for them, it was a low. But a high and a low at the same time. There's actually a scripture that says exactly what I'm trying to say and it's uh, Proverbs 14 13 and believe it or not I listen so I listen to the daily audio Bible I've said that before highly recommend it's an app it gets you through the whole Bible in a year Brian Harden Brian Harden is the host for it and he does an amazing job so this was the proverb for the day today today so it's just crazy like with the weird weather stormy and the sun and then having this be the proverb is just it's not lost on me um so it's proverbs 14 13 and it says even in laughter a heart may be sad and joy may end in grief and that is so true because there's a big thing these days that talks about sharing that space how how happiness and sadness can shit you can be both at the same time and and i find it just Amazing because that's not a new concept. I mean, Ecclesiastes 1 9 says, What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. So maybe this morsel of knowledge is new for our generation, but it is not new. The fact that even in laughter, our heart may be sad and joy may end in grief. And I really like that it's um, different translations. So that was uh, the CBS standard. The KJV standard is even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful and the end of that myrrh is heaviness. That's a little bit formal for my understanding. <laughs> but if we go to the ESV, even in laughter, the heart may ache and in the end, joy may be grief. Mm. Two more. Um, the NLT, laughter can conceal a heavy heart. But when the laughter ends, the grief remains. And then MSG message. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. Sift and weigh every word. So keeping with the original translation, even in laughter, a heart may be sad and joy may end in grief. It's just so true. It's so true that we can feel both at the same time. And this morning when Bruce and I were getting breakfast together and all that stuff, he was just zipping around. He's like, hey, you want some eggs? I'll make some eggs. And he's just great. And, and I was just doing my thing in the kitchen too. And I said, I said, you know what today is? And he said, what? And I said, it's, it's the one year anniversary for Precious's homegoing. And he just stopped. He turned around and he looked at me and he said, oh, oh man. And 
he's like, I didn't realize. And I said, yeah, I've been anticipating this day for a while. And I said, I'm really sorry. I feel like I just kind of crushed your mood a little bit. And he's like, wow, I was really happy. And now I'm really sad. And the fact is, is we're both, right? It's That's life. Because even in the deepest sadness of what I think about what we were doing 365 days ago, I also am so grateful that I have today. And I've had a whole nother year on this planet to live and love and laugh and all of those things. And so I am just truly trying to embrace the idea that we can do both. We can do happy and sad. So this is where the goals parts comes in. So like I told you, um, Precious and I, we did our little life together every day, every day. I mean, wherever I was, there is where she was. <laughs> so like in the bathroom, in the bedroom, in the kitchen, wherever I was, that is where she was. And so she and I did our little jam every day together. We would walk, we would walk and I'd listen to Daily Auto Bible. And I have some other podcasts that I like or the, or TV or music, whatever, and we'd just be doing our thing. And even before she needed a stroller, I mean, she and I walked every day, every day, every day for years, years and years and years. And when she passed away, I lost all desire to walk. All desire. I mean, I, I love sports. I, I love swimming. I love hiking and biking. And I love all those things. But walking, like in my neighborhood and all that, it, it's, it stopped that day. I lost all drive. And therefore, when I wasn't walking, I now couldn't even listen to the daily audio Bible because that's what I did when I walked. (laughs) And I walked with her. So it all just stopped. And I, I am a bit of a goal setter and I like to finish what I start. I love, nothing gets me happier than scratching something off a to-do list. So it was bothering me that I knew I was getting behind. I was getting behind physically. I was getting behind with this one year Bible plan. And I just was like stressing out about that. And for seven months, I couldn't walk. I just couldn't do my daily walk. I, I, it was, mm, I couldn't even try walking to the mailbox. It was something about walking in our neighborhood at all. Just no. So I mean, I did other things. We still were in the RV hiking and biking and all those things. But just that daily rhythm with her it just was too hard. And that's one of the things I think we grieve when we lose a pet is we, we grieve that rhythm that we had. I think we also grieve who we were to them and who they thought we were, right? The superhero. And I missed being that strength for her, her caregiver. I missed all of that. I missed that she thought I was a rock star. (laughs) So seven months, I didn't walk. And I knew that Christmas was coming and that meant the end of the year, which meant I want to finish this Bible plan, this reading plan. And I was like, I just don't know how to do it. And so I still didn't walk, but I started listening again. I'm like, well, let me try a different way. Let me try to listen to this while I'm cooking or while I'm getting a shower, something like that. And so I started doing that and I just was, I started gaining momentum listening. Still wasn't walking, but I still could listen to my plan 
and start to catch up and getting some wins under my belt with that I was really like motivated okay okay I can do this I'm, I'm going to finish out the thir December 31st on December 31st I'm not going to go into next year with last year I'm not doing that because it resets to January 1 so I, I actually did it I somehow in a few months I caught up on all of that and intentionally not just white noise playing like listening to it it, it was a goal that I had to work hard at and it required more focus and attention than I'm usually able to give things because I have the attention of a gnat and I know that. So um, this was, took a, it took a lot of mental fortitude to go, nope, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I was really excited about that. But then there's this walking thing. I'm like, okay, I need to reconcile this somehow. And it wasn't until I mentioned to someone dear, very dear to me, that will be introducing you too soon, um, that I mentioned this crazy idea that I had on my bucket list of a, um, of a physical goal. And she was like, well, I'll do it with you. And I was like, what? Really? Because Bruce would love to do it with me, but he works. So like this would require some time off. And my business is online. His business is online. But mine is a way, way more flexible. So um, I can swing it, but he can't. So... She was like, yeah, I will, I'll do it. And it was weird. It's like with Precious, my, my goal for walking was just daily exercise, right? I mean, it's not like cardio or anything, but it's, it's good for you. It's good for your digestive system. It's the endorphins. It's the sunlight. It's the fresh air. It's all that stuff that I highly believe in. And it's just good to keep your body stretching like that, right? However, I needed something else to help me get started again. And I needed a new goal because my original goal has always been to close those rings on my watch. <laughs> and um, I needed something that was going to just help push me past this block that I had made in life, in my mind and my heart. And so having a new goal really did that for me. And so soon we will be doing this physical thing. And I cannot wait to share more about it. But this was the motivator for me to put those shoes on again and get out in my neighborhood and start walking again. And now when I see neighbors and they're walking their dogs, I'm like that crazy woman that wants to, you know, approach everyone with a dog and pet their dog because <laughs> we'll have another one, but it won't be for, for years um, as we're planning right now, because as long as we have the RV, um, it's just limiting for the, the dog. And I don't think it's very fair. Like they can't go on national park trails and, and we visit, you know, family and friends out of town and, and we want to be able to give our next dog the spoiled life that we gave this dog. <laughs> and so that will come. It will come. And we, we go overseas and all kinds of things. So like we want to be a little more settled. So in the meantime, I'm going to pet every other dog that I see who will let me. And just met a new friend, little a little foster dog yesterday. Just made my entire day while I was raking the yard. And anyway, so I've got this goal, and the reason I wanted to write about this, um, well, talk about this today, <laughs> was the fact that goals can help us with our grief. It's interesting, um, when I was taking some master's classes in uh, rehabilitation counseling, you know, that's where I, many years ago, I learned about the five stages of grief, right? So they're denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And... 
they all make pretty much sense about what what they are you know denial we can't even get our head around what happened that just it didn't happen it can't be no 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 you know and then anger is realizing it happened but i am really not okay that that happened i'm not okay with this i'm very mad that this happened and then the bargaining of course is like well okay like if i do this can i rewind time can i change the outcome can the person you know still live or can i get this back you know this whatever i've lost and we're bargaining and then depression is when we realize we can't and the weight of all of this all of, of everything you've been grieving up till now just kind of falls us on us like a brick wall and then acceptance is realizing okay this is this is my new normal and how am I going to continue to live and thrive and strive through all of this in a good and positive way and make the time that I have left here count? So to say all of that, that's been the five stages of grief and that's very normal and good and we should work through these. I do like um, in J.W. Worden's book, he talks about the tasks of mourning, which I just think are so interesting. And I'll put the book in the show notes. It's a, it's a grief book. So task one is to accept the reality of the loss. Task two is to process the pain of grief. Task three is to adjust to a world without the deceased, or in my words, like whatever it is you've lost. And then task four is to find an enduring connection with what you've lost in the midst of embracing a new life. And so I'm talking today on the first anniversary of not having our our little precious with us, but grief comes through losing so many different things. Obviously people, and I think it can come, my opinion, can come through the intangibles of losing that job opportunity that was supposed to change everything, right? Or maybe losing custody of a child in a divorce case. We can certainly grieve what we wanted that is not going to be. Maybe it's a lost pregnancy or a broken engagement or a deal that you really needed in business to work and it didn't go through. Things that we anticipate and count on and and then all of a sudden they're gone we can also grieve when people change who they are and therefore who they are to us for instance someone could have a major medical crisis and have a stroke or undergo surgery and they're different afterwards not by any fault of their own You could have someone coming home from a military service and based on their experience and everything that they went through, they come home different than who they were and therefore different in our relationship with them. Even someone having a midlife crisis, completely doing things that are very different than what you're ever used to. Well, it changes them and it changes who you are together for sure. Another example our aging parents, who we were to them, who they were to us, what we were together with Alzheimer's and dementia that may set in, it changes them and therefore it changes the entire dynamic of the relationship. Roles could be reversed between parent and child, all those things. There's so many examples. People could make 
dramatic lifestyle changes by choice. Pick any of today's social topics. And therefore, although we do not love them any less, that's for sure, our dynamics with them change. And so that might bring good things and it might bring some challenges and changes and adjustments that we need to make. And part of those challenges, changes and adjustments might be letting go of what was to be able to embrace now what is both about the person, if that's you (laughs) or someone else, and then who you are to that relationship, even if it's to yourself. And within the framework of all things healthy, we absolutely still can love, love, love the other person, even if we don't agree or understand or are comfortable with what's happening in their life and how that may roll over into ours. We can still love and give grace for sure, because I think we all need it. However, to be able to take that first step forward, there may definitely be a grieving process to help work out all of these ways in which our heart is wrestling. There's so many ways to lose people and things and tangible and intangible. I pretty much think everybody's grieving something all the time. I I really do. I think if we were to censor people on the street, take a poll, I think there'd be something going on. And grieving is hard. Like I said before, it, it can feel like an interruption. It can feel unpleasant. It can take a long time. It can make us remember things or think about things that we don't want to. All in the healthy frame of grieving and things can go sideways when we just don't let the process happen. When we don't work through those stages of grief or work on those tasks of mourning, we can get stuck in a pit or in a loop in our head and we start to not be able to find our way out because we're not okay with this. Back to the whole goals thing, like we all have patterns and things that we do in our lives that matter to us. We have our favorite places with people. We have certain things that we do certain times of the week and it's it's a rhythm. And some of them, you know, we do it by ourselves or we do them with other people. But the point is when that rhythm is broken, it really messes us up. We can feel pretty upside down. And even if we keep the rhythm, it can feel different, like driving by a certain place where maybe you know, a loved one worked or um, a favorite park that we went to uh, could be losing a friend, a friendship, right? It could be losing a relationship, even if the person doesn't die. It could be losing a house, a car. I know I've lost two cars in two car accidents that were, um, the cars were total. It can mean losing anything that has value to you. And I want to tell you today that when you press play, there's something in you, uh, you know, that's looking for some peace. And I just want to start by telling you that your grief is valid, that your loss is valid. It could be even losing 
a dream, just, you know, giving up, like, this is never going to happen. I'm not going to ever think about this dream again, because it's just not ever going to happen. It could be losing a limb to amputation, right? Veterans see this, diabetic patients see this, like, this is reality. We lose things in this world. We do not leave this world with what we came with other than ourselves. And for some of us, we don't leave with our full selves. Losing your sight, you know, women losing their breast to cancer. Like it could be anything that you're grieving. And then all of the things that come along with that. Like, well, now that I don't have my foot, I can't run anymore. There's The grief is just like, whew, it's a domino effect. Loss is just, it just seems to just want to go on and on and on. But I want to tell you that when we, when we do the steps to process grief and what we've lost in a healthy way, you can have that abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10, 10. I've come that they have life and have it abundantly. We're not here to be miserable and, and, just suffering all the time like there's life is a mix of everything we're going to keep having losses and keep suffering but we're going to also keep having wins and keep laughing uh, but a lot of that I think it's up to us and I have a favorite scripture I just want to share with you I actually wrote it on index, index card and I keep it on my keyboard all the time it's been here for years it's probably been here for more than 10 years and I give it out to all my friends who are in a hard place. It's Psalm 51 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. So I found this scripture when I was deep in depression over a very hard season of life. And it literally, I would just read it sporadically throughout the day. And it it's like water to the soul. So I'll say it again. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So I love that it's saying, first of all, I, I need joy. I don't have it in myself. I, I'm empty. So I need the joy that comes from you, God. Things, joy is different than happiness. As we know, happiness is an emotion. <laughs> and uh, that can flutter away at any given moment, but, but God's joy is forever. And we can have that in the worst of times. We can still have his joy. And it, like they say, the, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And that is very true. But also grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And I loved, I think I loved that word when I first saw it, sustain. Because I was just needing oxygen for the next breath, right? Major panic attacks. I was actually a very healthy person, but because of the depression and the anxiety and the stress in life, I was actually on two blood pressure medications and a pre-diabetic medication. For a healthy individual, that's that's a crazy ride. <laughs> and so I'm not on any of those now. And it's interesting because like I had to go through the whole process of with therapy and all of these things to say, okay, how can I be okay even when things aren't okay? a whole nother podcast, <laughs> but it's so true when you can really find that secret sauce of how to be okay when things aren't okay, uh, things like your health, <laughs> you know, can reward you. So that's a good thing. But talking about the five stages of grief versus 
or I should say in addition to these tasks of mourning. So it's it's really interesting to look at it, the tasks of mourning, like for someone who is like me, who likes a to-do list and likes to feel accomplishment and progression and like, you know, we're making some steps here, we're making some way through. To accept the reality of the loss, I would actually kind of addend that to say, um, to accept that there's been a loss, right? that I think those don't necessarily mean the same thing. To accept the reality of the loss and to accept the fact that there was a loss. I think those can be separately unpacked, even though they're kind of in tandem together. And then to process the pain of grief. That was those seven months that I just couldn't walk and I couldn't listen to my um, dad or anything like that. I just I just couldn't. I was processing so much, so much with the loss of my little puppy. Um, but then step three, to adjust to a world without them or without whatever it is you've lost. It doesn't have to necessarily be somebody or something dying. It can be, like I said, all those other things. Adjusting to a world without them, without that thing. Uh, that was me going, okay, okay, I'll, I'll start listening into my app. I'm still not ready to walk, but I'll start taking those emotional steps and mental steps, even if I'm not ready to take the physical steps. So then, and then task four was to find an enduring connection with what you've lost in the midst of embracing a new life. And so here I am, here I sit saying, you know, all those, I don't even know how many miles, because we usually did like three miles a day over the course of 16 years off and on. If I've had surgery, I needed to recover. I had like nine surgeries. So minus the times where I couldn't, um, that's a lot of miles. I, I couldn't even count them. I don't even know how to calculate that. So I had to look at it as like all that time together that we spent um, walking together has set me up in a good place to do this little physical challenge I've got coming up that I'm really, really excited about. And I can't wait to do a podcast on it and really excited about it. But I'm just going to leave that there for now. So it walking has helped me get to this point where I feel like, yeah, I, I can do this. This challenge is that I can do this. And it's helped get me in my headspace of like what it feels like just to kind of walk and, and, and do this thing. So I want to just encourage people who are grieving to maybe consider looking up online, those five stages of grief, looking up uh, Worden W. O-R-D-E-N, J.W. Worden, in his book that I'll put in the show notes, The Tasks of Mourning. If you're like me, who the stages of grief, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it, but how do I implement that in my life? What does that look like lived out on a daily basis? That's why I think the tasks is a really good addition to the stages of grief because it, it lets us acknowledge what's in our heart and head, but then it gives us something to do with it to like, okay, let's do something with it. And by all means, please, please reach out to a counselor, therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, whoever it is that you need a professional that can help you through this. Please don't feel like you have to do all this alone. So much of the time we shouldn't because in my world, I think everyone should have a therapist because this life is hard. This life is really, really hard. And it's just the world is getting harder to live in by the day. And I firmly believe with all my heart that we were built for community. Because if you look even in, in the natural realm, if you look at any Nat Geo show in Africa, 
It's the zebra or the gazelle or the wildebeest that strays away from the herd or the flock or whatever. They're the ones that get it. They're the ones the lions go for. So don't stray away from the flock or the herd. Don't do that. Like this is the time for you to get yourself in the center of a community, not on the outskirts saying I'm the only one that feels this way. Nobody understands. I will say this. We all walk our own road. And we all have unique and individual stories to tell. That is absolutely true. But I do know that there are patterns to people. <laughs> That's why we were able to come up with the five stages of grief, right? Those tasks of mourning that are universal for everybody. Because although our stories, I, I often think of life as like a mad lib. <laughs> like our stories have different nouns and adjectives and verbs that we fill in. But there's an absolute pattern to our behavior because it's what makes civilization go on. So I'm not diluting my pain or your pain. I'm saying that pain is real and you're not meant to deal with it alone. And I may not be able to say, I understand exactly what you're going through. And you could say to me, I don't understand exactly what you're going through, but I do understand feelings like lonely and loss and sad and depression and anger and anxiety. I understand all of that, even though it looks different person to person. So please don't be that zebra or gazelle or wildebeest that slowly wanders away because that's when, when we're alone, you know, that's where the bad things can happen. That's where the dark stuff is. So stay in a community, whether that community is one person or 50 people. And if you don't have one, find one. Find a healthy, positive community to be a part of. And find a counselor if you need one to help. Loss is hard. And if we get stuck in one, sometimes people never come out of it. I literally know people that never worked through the five stages. They're like stuck in one because it's not like one, two, three, four, five. It could be like one, four, two, three, you know. And then we can loop back and do number one again, number one again, and then number. So it's not, it's not uh, sequential. We're not that simple. <laughs> Humans are complicated and layered. <laughs> but give yourself some grace. Give yourself the space to heal, to heal in a healthy way. But as we work through the stages of grief and the tasks of mourning, we start to see that, okay, maybe, maybe there is a life that I can continue with in a normal, thriving way that doesn't mean what I've lost doesn't matter to me anymore or never existed. Not at all. It means we're finding a new way to move forward to embrace all that is ahead of us in life and an acceptance that maybe our goals need to change. So maybe before when we were drawing up plans for a dream home or creating a vision board for what we wanted our future to be like, that kind of thing, it's going to take new goals to fit with the new normal. And I think maybe, you know, grieving our old goals is part of the grieving process of what we lost. But creating new goals 
that is a really awesome tool to help get our momentum back so we're not stuck because seriously i know people who have been stuck lamenting over what they've lost for decades and all that time i think about all the life that has been lost all the opportunity and moments and memories that weren't made it's really not the way it was intended to be so when we can embrace the idea that goals can work for us even if they have to change oh we hate that word change i hate that word change i don't take change well at all and i can absolutely throw an internal hissy fit like a little toddler sometimes it change so today you know the storms were there then the sun came out guess what clouds are coming back still got this pebble in my shoe that i'm gonna take care of and this is life this is what we call life and today i will be celebrating that we got to have precious for 16 years and i will be sad and remembering that we don't have her anymore but at the end of the day i'm going to choose to be grateful and happy that we got to have her at all and that is not a consolation prize that's not like well i'll just do that then fine no it's like i'm so grateful i'm so grateful we got to have this little furry joy that added so much love and life to our home and taught me a lot about life when she never spoke a word and i'm choosing to be grateful choosing to be thankful choosing to be happy and also to let myself be sad and it's okay because like proverb says even in the laughter a heart may be sad and joy may end in grief those are my thoughts today i appreciate you letting me work through the moments where i had to catch my breath a little bit it's just really not easy to do in front of anybody but together i think that life can be beautiful when we when we let life be what it's supposed to be so to end today's episode i'd like to end it with a poem well i'd like to end it with it's a poem but it it doesn't rhyme or anything and that's okay <laughs> not all poems have to rhyme rhyme um, it's by caleb lp gunner called things you can control and I guess I wanted to end it this way because when loss and grief happen, we can feel very out of control and that can fan the fires of anxiety and depression and all of those things. So I just want to remind you, as in Caleb Gunner's thoughts of things that we can control. So even when there is so much happening out of our control, not all of it is out of our hands. So let this be an encouragement to you and I hope that it will help inspire you as you're grieving what you've lost to set new goals because goals can change and that's okay. That's okay. Okay, here we go. Things you can control. Your beliefs, your attitude, your thoughts, your perspective, 
how honest you are, who your friends are, what books you read, how often you exercise, the type of food you eat, how many risks you take, how you interpret the situation, how kind you are to others, how kind you are to yourself, how often you say, I love you, how often you say, thank you, how often you express your feelings, whether or not you ask for help, how often you practice gratitude, how many times you smile today, the amount of effort you put forth, how you spend or invest your money, how much time you spend worrying, how often you think about your past, whether or not you judge other people, whether or not you try again after a setback, how much you appreciate the things you have. I hope that this has been encouraging and I would love to continue to talk more about grief and loss in the future. It's an ongoing discussion because as life continues to go on, we will continue to lose things and grieve them. It's just the way it is, but we can do it together. We can do it in a healthy, positive way. You can continue to live a full and abundant life if you let your mind, body, and spirit take the time it needs to grieve. And then you can set new goals for yourself, a new normal. So walking by that place that used to be yours with your loved one, that special restaurant or coffee shop or a trip that you're not going to be able to take now that was supposed to be life-changing or that job that you were supposed to get that was supposed to change everything or that friend that wasn't a good friend in the end. Whatever it is you're letting go of, I really encourage you, grieve, heal, and keep your hands open for what life has next for you because God cares. And when we can leave our hands open, it's okay to still miss what was in them, but I hope that you will be open to what is next to fill them. And it doesn't replace it doesn't replace. It just gets to add to our life, right? So we're not replacing as, as in those people and things didn't matter. We're adding to. And that is how we get to continue to have a grateful heart because we are acknowledging that our lives are full with things to be grateful for. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to Real Deep Stuff. Follow us and subscribe to save your seat at the table for the next conversation. Also, check out our Facebook page to continue the conversation on today's topic. We'll see you there.